He's good. Well, hello, everybody. This is Father Tom, pastor at St. Teresa here with the, behind the curtain. And today I am overjoyed, delighted that I have a special guest who is my former pastor, Father David Page. Excuse me. He's Monsignor David Page. Father That's, is fine. Father is fine, but let people know that Monsignor is a great title <laughs> and well-deserved. And you went, and Father Page, my pastor back, I think, in 1998, for about five years, um, he was at Holy Name of Jesus in Indian Atlantic, Florida. And up to, up to that point, I never heard of Indian Atlantic, Florida. And little did I realize this was this huge, magnificent uh, parish right, right on A1A, right across from the ocean. It was the, uh, well, the parish in the area and Vachy, one of the top parishes in our diocese, and I dare say even, even the country, honestly, because I forget the book. There was a book uh, titled, I think, 100 Top Parishes in the United States. And Holy Name was listed in that top 100. You may not remember that, but I do. It was a, I forget the author's name, but was a, he listed the top parishes. And um, Holy Name was... I remember, yeah. Okay, yes. <clears throat> and I would say thanks to you and the wonderful people there at Holy Name. And you're, I know that you told me your age are 88 years young. It is years young, thank uh, God. And what year were you ordained? How long now? You've been 58. 58. 62 years. 62 ordained. years of priest. Wow. Huh? Yeah. I said, hoo hoo. And your priesthood was really years of, uh, you never had the easy assignment, I mean, from what I know. In talking with you, you always had a lot of work to do. At least the pet, you founded Epiphany Parish in Port Orange. That's right. Now, were you at the high school as well or just the parish at that time? Do you remember? We have Father Lopez at all? I don't remember now. But you founded the parish. Then you went Mary Magdalene. Yeah, I was in Mary Magdalene for seven or eight years. Wow. St. Um, James the Cathedral. St. James Cathedral. I was pastor there for about 12 years, maybe. Wow. St. James. And that's quite an honor. That's a busy place, especially the hospitals. That's right. Yeah. I mean, you're not sleeping much at night. I understand. It was like two or three hospitals that you had to cover. Sure. I know about you as a priest, I, I find the hardest part of the job is not, I can wake up and know I have a full schedule, I'm fine. It's those interruptions, the unplanned, yeah. you know, like hospital <clears throat> at the last minute or especially at two in the morning because no matter what, you get home, your sleep pattern is ruined, you're done. Yeah. It's a tough thing, but you did it. And you did a great work there at, at St. James Cathedral. But then I know you... Uh, but even before that, though, you worked uh, alongside with Bishop Hurley. Well, he made me editor of the Florida Catholic in um, 65, I think, uh -huh. until 90. So 20, 65 to 90? Yeah. Whoa. And I was, you know, pastor of big parishes also at the same time. Yes, so was, exactly. But he, he liked to load people down, you know. With, that is amazing. I mean... You know, editor of the Florida Catholic, and back time, newspapers were big back then. Now, not so yeah. much, but back then, that was the main way of communication. That's right. And so you were editor for 25 we years. Had, um, we had an edition for six of our seven dioceses in, uh, wow. in the, in the, in yes. the diocese in now, Florida. Let me ask you this. Did you ever have any particular training to be an editor of a newspaper? Not a bit. Not a bit, right? I mean... Uh, I had finished... My um, master's in American history was on my way back from Catholic University. 
and somebody showed me, one in parish I visited on the way down, that I was appointed editor of the Florida Catholic without ever being consulted. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm sure thought it was a good choice, though. Well, hopefully it worked out. Oh, I'm sure, right. sure it worked out. Well, Archbishop Hurley, he did things like that. He forced all of us, all the young priests at the time, many of them from Ireland and Spain. We had to teach five classes in school, in high school. Wow. Huh? Um, American history and and um, world history and mm-hmm. Latin one and two. And, oh, boy. Huh? And different subjects. But it was a great way of getting introduced. In the summertime, the, it sent us to Catholic University in Notre Dame. Wow. So we were really shoved into the whole American culture. Mm-hmm. And then I got a, a master's in American history. That's one of the best things I ever did. Wow. Um, That's, I, I know you went back to school, but interesting so you get a degree in American history, and that sort of prepared you to be an editor for a newspaper. Somewhat. <laughs> um, should have been, it should have been a master's in English or journalism, maybe. I know, yeah. But you did it, though. Yeah, well, it's a great help to understand the people. I mean, the, the elections, all that. Sure. Without knowing history, you don't understand people. Okay. So, so coming that. from a different country, came from Ireland, as you know. Right, right. So Ireland, yes. it gives you a great understanding, appreciation mm-hmm. of, of the American people. Wow. So you, I guess it was probably a little, I said a treat, but a break. It was probably nice going away for the summer, different locale, different environment. You went to up what, Catholic University up in Washington, D.C. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. see? Yeah, so that's, that's a little, you know, get a change and Hopefully. get away from the hot, humid summer. That's but still right. pretty humid up there, too. But still a different change, that's different right. culture, different environment up there in the hubbub, right? You right, bet, right? Yeah. In the capital. So it was like two, three summers, I guess, it took, whatever it may be. Or... It was a year and, and about three, three summers. Three summers. Good for you. Good for you. So they become editor of the Florida Catholic. Wow. I guess that's, that's what I'm saying. You never really had, quote, quote, an easy assignment, just one job. No, they were always tough. Yeah, but you always did it without complaint. You're a guy well, who roll, roll up your sleeves and just get it done. It probably is a good way, way to be brought up. I was brought up on a farm back in Ireland. A farm? A, a mixed farm. Mm. And you had to work very hard because you raised um, a dozen different crops. Mm-hmm. Turkeys, geese, wow. hens, um, cattle, cows, horses. And everybody was working real hard. And so there was really known it up. Now, how many brothers and sisters do you have? I was one of seven. One of seven, Two okay. sisters and five brothers. So they all get, they all worked the farm. All worked the farm. My dad died when I was eight. Oh, my. And uh, so my poor mom was left with eight kids out of the 19, uh, in the 19, wow. early 1940s or so. Wow. Huh? So that was tough during the Depression. Mm-hmm. But she was a great woman. She was a very saintly person. Must be. Rubbed off on you. Yeah, well. Yes. Um, so a lot of blessings that way. Yeah, but it taught you the value of hard work. It did, that that's right. that stayed with you your whole life. That's true. I mean, I can speak for holy name of Jesus being those five years. Yeah. Uh, no one outdid you in work. Yeah. Uh, I say that sincerely. No one. Your dedication. <laughs> anyway, so you learned the farm. And then when did the idea of becoming a priest enter your mind? When I was 14 uh-huh. in national school back in Ireland, uh, a priest came. He was actually from our parish, but he had been a missionary in Africa for 30 years. And he came and he, he spoke to us about the, the missionaries in Africa and the black babies and mm-hmm. gave us mite boxes to raise funds for the black babies. Uh-huh. And 
That was when I was 14. And from then on, I felt called by God somehow. I didn't hear any audible voice, mm -hmm. but I felt called to be a priest in Africa. No that was your initial That's desire. my desire. So next year, I went to the seminary. At age of 15 now? 14, 15, yeah. Okay. Um, it was a, a Jesuit seminary, and we, we had oh, some... Boy. Well, it wasn't for the Jesuit order, but it was for the foreign English foreign missions. Mm -hmm. And we had some great bishops that came from there, from Mongret. Uh, by the way, our present bishop was also from there. Uh, but he, he was on the, the lay side. But mm -hmm. the other bishops, Bishop Hurley, uh, Bishop Curley from Miami, became Archbishop of Baltimore and, and other great bishops. But anyhow, so I... Um, when I went to this, that seminary, I, I told them, you know, that I want to be a priest in Africa. And they said, well, you can't go to Africa from here. This is for English-speaking um, countries. You've got a bishop, England, Australia, America. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, since I can't go to Africa, maybe I go to America because I have a sister in, in America. Where? Newark. Mm -hmm. Come back in a month, see how close I can get you. He says, told me, the superior said, you're going to St. Augustine, Florida. I'd heard a lot of Florida, never heard of St. Augustine. Uh -huh. And um, I think the reason was because Archbishop Hurley, the bishop here, took off a big collection, nearly 50s, and he, he raised these scholarships or bus funds for priests and different right. new parishes. And so it's the generosity of the people that. Wonderful. Know, so, by a quote, a mistake, whatever, whatever, you know, not a mistake, how God works. You decided to go to Africa, different seminary. I'm yeah. here now. Okay. That's right. Uh, I'll go to America. <laughs> I have a sister there and, you know, his family. And so you sure. up in New York, New Jersey, whatever it was, and you well, got to Florida. Not too close, but still not, you know, yeah. not a bad place to be. And you came over here. And, Great place and to you be. You came over, what year was it? What year were you ordained again? 60? Six, uh, 1958. 58? Yeah. Whoa. So you were here at the beginning of the diocese. I was, I'm, I'm, I was the first priest ordained. The only priest now is ordained for the diocese who's still alive. Wow. From the very beginning. Wow, fantastic. Oh, my gosh. Interesting. Hmm. I'd like to speak about, you know, talk about hard work. And um, particularly those years which I can witness there when I was at Holy Name of Jesus with you. Again, it's uh, probably a lot of people would even know about the parish, wherever you may be, but it's quite the place. And there's one thing about you. It's uh, I don't know if you ever read the the book Good to Great by Jim Collins. It's an interesting book called Good to Great, Jim Collins. I haven't read that. No. Okay, it's it's a business book for leaders, business leadership. Yeah. And he analyzed the <laughs> leadership qualities of these top companies, these top CEOs. All right. And um, level five is the highest. And level five, there was a, these two main characteristic of the CEOs. He said the two main characteristics, one, humility, and two, this dogged determination to make the company the best that it could be. And they, do, and they would sacrifice, they would work, the will it to make it the best. But what's key to the level five, though, is that the desire to make a great company is not for their own ego. It's really just for the company and making sure it survives, that it does well, sure. all right? Yeah. It's not about them. And that's the humility. And a lot of times said you may not even know who these, quote, CEOs are. They're not the big flashy names, not these yeah. charismatic <clears throat> personalities. They're yeah. quiet, but they just mm, drive, will it, 
give everything they have. And honestly, and not because you're sitting here with me, and I read that you know years ago, and I said, honestly, if I have to say, that's really described you. I mean, you, you have a humility about yourself. You don't never give credit to yourself. You, but it was really your determination to make Holy Name the best church parish that it can be. I mean, and well, for example, you just mentioned here we're on retreat together, and there you are. And, and I was thinking before we even got here, I wonder if he still writes notes, <laughs> taking notes during the retreat. Because I remember in the past, I watched you, and you were writing these notes, scribbling. Yeah. No offense, I, I used to look at your handwriting. I still can't quite. I can't hardly read it myself. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what he writes. I don't know what he's writing. I'm at the same talk. I wish I know it was that important, but you're writing notes. <laughs> and here you are. You know, it's like, you know, you're, for heaven's sake, you're, you know, 88 years old. Six, what is it that you don't know? What is it you have to, you know, change? But it's the desire never, never to be complacent. Never give it up. You never get complacent. Right? Be, good be better and the better be best. That's what you are. I mean, really, I mean, you, even at this point, you're like, you think, come on, just sit back, take it in. No. What can well, I learn? Where can I grow? Where can I improve? At 88, you forget a lot, too, short term memory is. But you were doing this when you were 38, 28, oh, right? Sure so was, it yeah, wasn't just that because of your age. And the other thing that also came to mind, speaking about your desire to get. Uh, Again, to prove, learn, it was uh, at, at dinner time. Sometimes we had seminarians who would sit with us, had dinner with us. We invited one sure. was John. Up from, he's up in the, the Tallahassee Diocese, I remember. And you must have been about 70 years old, right? I think about that age, whatever it was, because he had yeah. company. And you were asking him, well, what's new in preaching? What are they teaching you in preaching? Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking you're 70 years old. At this point, you know what I mean? <laughs> At this point, it's come on. But you like you decide, like, well, I, I want to know what's the newest thing? What are they telling you? I'm thinking, huh? Uh, you know, you, you most people are by 70, but I'm not, you know, it's like, okay, I am who I am. Well, I just have an inquisitive mind, I suppose. You do. Yeah. But that's that's part of the whole why, you know. Well, that's God's gift to me. It's no credit yeah. to me, but. See, and there's the humility coming out. Thanks be to God. I'm not trying to build you up. I'm pleased. I'm not trying to flatter you. I'm really, I'm not pleased, but I just want to, people to know and maybe, you know, inspire others who yeah. sometimes reach a certain age and they give up, yeah. you know, think life's over. No, no. They can keep learning, keep growing, keep improving. And that's what I, you know, and that stuck with me. And I admire that. I said, wow, look at this. Keep learning. Don't just stop. And, um, you know, I found those five years there at Holy Name my most formative, my years in my priesthood, and I, and I take a lot of that with you know that with me, and that's why I, you know, I do appreciate it, you know. And the other thing is what I admired about you, what I I didn't see any other priests was your ecumenical outlook, but not just trying to get along with them, but learning from other Christian You're churches. You can learn it out from our non-Catholic that's what you said. brothers and, and that's, sisters. That's what you would say, yeah. Yeah. And I said, really? Because I never heard that expressed before. I never saw anyone Catholic ever really do that. Now, they may have relationships, may be part of a, yeah. you know, <clears throat> minister, ministerial association. It's really French, which is a good thing, but not the desire, like, what can we learn from them? And the book that you had uh, reading and you had me read or suggested I read was uh, The Purpose Driven Church. That's right. Remember that book? That's right. I learned that from the Protestants. They were That's talking right. about it. I had never heard it. That's right. But that's and it's it. one of the best books. There you go. See, the purpose by uh, 
forget his name now. Rick Warren. Rick Warren. That's Rick right. Warren. And later on, he wrote the book Purpose Driven Life. That's it right. became the D number one bestseller. But that's right. before that, it was the Purpose Driven Church. Church. And that's the book that you read. I said, well, this guy's promoting, quote, you know, Protestant. That really wasn't normal. All right. But it was the desire that, you know, your desire said, wait, we can learn something from, you know, sure. let's get better. In fact, then I remember we went to the uh, conference. It was held, at the, I think, at Trinity Methodist Church, not too far from our, the, I forget his name now. But, oh, Mike Harry, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he had the Purpose Driven Conference. Uh, he went there. Ministry, yeah. And I think that's also how you built the the different organizations in the church, worship. Yeah, we, we helped each other, trained, uh, we trained our people yeah. together. Yeah, you put them in different the highlights, what group you want to be in ministry yeah. and worship. And so that, those are the things that really stand out. And um, and really, what made Holy Name what it is, is because of your determination to be the best that it could be. And one of the things you blessed the parish with, but beyond the parish, was Christ induces parish. That's one of the best things right? that happened in our parish. Yeah, Christ induces parish. I remember when I went to Holy Name, uh -huh. I suppose in the late 80s, mm -hmm. St. James, Mm -hmm. It was a great parish, right. very friendly, yes. had a great reputation. But I noticed that the people didn't share their faith mm -hmm. with each other. And the same was true of any other parish I'd have been in. Right. But whereas in my dealings with Protestants, they always talked about their faith. The, the parishioners would talk about their minister, and they would they'd talk about the going to a meeting, mm -hmm. you know, with other parishioners, and um, very proud of their faith. So. I challenged them one day to do a bit of study, research, mm -hmm. and come up with some organization or something that would set our Catholic people on fire with their faith and right. they would share it mm -hmm. and love to talk about it and spread it. And they did some research and they came back with Christ's Christ Parish. And that, you know, being the parish, that really, I mean, I felt the spirit there, oh, yeah. the desire. It's the and, best thing that ever happened. Yes. We, we had maybe 40, 70 people who were trained uh, ministers, you know, mm -hmm. sharing their faith. And they went to 32 different parishes throughout the state of Florida. Wow. That's yeah. that's yeah. a really remarkable thing. Yeah. Not only did it really grow your own particular parish, but yeah. they became missionaries, evangelizers. Yeah, they, they helped other parishes yes. to do the same. Yeah. And in fact, when I was in Deland, they came up to Deland. They did. Yes, they did. And they were, and they gladly came to the land. I mean, they looked forward oh, to yeah. go to the parishes to be able to be. Yeah, this. they were very proud of that. Oh man! And what's it, it more impressive? It was, you know, at the parish. You know, they got the men fired up. Yeah. Which is a hard fish to catch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> times. Women usually, you know, they're yeah. kind of on board. They're, yeah. You know, but men a little more reluctant. But the parish and the high caliber of men. That's true. I mean, these oh, guys. Oh, we have great parishioners. Oh, the high end lawyers and doctors fired up. Yeah. Oh, so, I mean, and, and it just pervaded the parish, that spirit. And so, whenever things came up in the parish, like a, a parish mission, people who went through Christ Widow's parish, they supported it, they showed yeah. up. Oh, yeah. It didn't really matter who was given the, you know. That's right. They yeah. were there. I That's, mean, so that was, I mean, just that work alone. Still was, going pretty strong. Still, thanks be to God. Yeah. Thanks be to God. And of course, the, the work he did in. The outreach to Haiti, the sister parish up there, I forget, you know. Yeah, we have two parishes that we support, mm -hmm. and um, we can't get down too much now, but right, we, right. we have parishioners who we, we uh, 
pay for teachers. Yes. And um, so there's, it's a great ministry. This it is was great Father Bruni who passed away, but he was a great man. That's right. Remember great him? Man. Yeah, very he much. Came over, he came to visit, and one thing he wanted to go to was the buffet. Is that right? <laughs> he yeah. said, that, I want to go buffet. <laughs> yeah. Food, you know, I mean, food's a shortage. You couldn't believe that. What? You can line up, eat all you want? <laughs> he said that. I want to go. What do you want to do? I want to go to buffet. <laughs> I can't blame the guy. Yeah? But the work in Haiti and, you know, it was, again, that was also captivated the parish in these fundraisers and hearts out to Haiti. Uh, you know, it well, was, we learned a lot from you because we know that you had the same thing. You're sponsoring other parishes. You had missionary parishes. Of the, uh, that was because I, I was at Holy Name. And then the school, <laughs> you know, when I was there, I think it was probably the glory years. It was Blue Ribbon. That's right, yeah. Right? 2001. Somewhere. Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, so it was like, wow. And so it was, uh, and then you, the Adoration Chapel. Yeah, that was one of the things that brought a lot of blessings. Mm -hmm. We had a lot of vocations. At one time, uh, the seminary people tell us that we had more vocations than any other parish in the state. And uh, a, lot, a lot of it was due to the people praying. So yes. many hundreds of people, 24-hour yeah. uh, adoration. Oh, I, uh, yes, I, I would say definitely adoration chapel. I think it was more than that because other churches, they have adoration chapels, but they didn't have the numbers of vocations. That's when true. that guy told you, excuse me, that guy, the priest said, you know, more than any, I think he probably had any more than any state in the in the in the union never mind just florida <laughs> i was it was like it was it was unbelievable yeah i mean the, and i have to make a mention also uh julianne i don't know walker oh, walker oh great i believe except for that yeah with your your, your <laughs> determination the adoration chapel and her fine example she had a great respect for priests for the eucharist for mass and that really uh not a vocations you know i think that's really part of it she supported it she loved bringing people to Mass. She loved the Lord. She had a great love for the Catholic faith and the Adoration Chapel and yourself. One of the best things we did was introduce Life Team. That's my next thing. You got Julian yeah. Walker. You found a great... Yeah. Again, there it was. You were searching for a youth minister. I remember that. You said, no, no, we need something for our teens. Yeah. And you really try to find the best and you came across her. Yeah, she was And she, uh, you know, I saw the difference before and after. Not that those, you know, I was there, they were good, but she was at a different level. She was you know, She was at a different level, and that really, wow. Huh? She was. <laughs> What's that? She was outstanding. Oh, definitely outstanding. So God has blessed us in so many ways. Yeah, but, you know, God blesses those who, uh, you know, you, you got to do your part, and God will bless your efforts. Yeah. That's how I think it works, you know. And I also... Um, may seem like a, you restructured the church itself, the physical building, because they were growing, you know? Yeah, we renovated it and renovated. then almost doubled the size of it. Yeah, exactly. I got there. But Father Peter Henry had built a nice church there in 1980. And so uh, I think you went, at least in the Catholic world, one of the first churches to have uh, the screens up. That's true, yeah. I would think we're over 30 years now. Yeah, I think yeah. you went to the first churches that had uh, screens. Yeah. I don't remember, uh, you know, up to that point, I know some Protestant churches may have had it, but Catholics, it was like, no, you don't do that. And also you, you had the vision, uh, let's use the screens. And in fact, when I went to my, you know, I left, that's one of the first things I wanted to do was adoration chapel and have screens. Oh, it was very important. Yeah. Oh, and now it's commonplace, you know, especially yeah. now with the COVID virus, no using books, but that's right. it was, you know, back then it was pretty novel. 
I remember that you and not everybody and not everybody reacted it so well. Remember, I remember the people put little pulses up TV in church and oh yeah, they didn't remember? like it. Many people didn't like it. Yes, one one of the persons who wrote me an nasty letter. Then six months or a year later, his wife died, and he 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 demanded that we have a, her photo on the. I see that. Yeah, and, and he was so grateful afterwards. I see. Yeah. Yeah, and can I say this? Uh, another, I'm not trying to put you for canonization, but another point, <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's just something that people need to hear and understand, you know, in our world is, you're, this is, here's a trait that you don't find frequently, hardly ever, your ability to accept criticism. You're bad. Yeah. And I remember you, you told me we're at dinner table and I think it was after mass, someone came out and criticized you or something, it might be Hanley, whatever it was. I said, well, what, how'd you feel? I said, whoa, I was, I thanked him. I was happy. I like. I said, "What? Huh? You said something like that. You were not upset. No, I was. Oh, good. I wanted it. I said, "You, I did. You wanted it. Not wanted it, but uh, you were gra gra grateful that you learned something about yourself. You were not. You didn't take it. Oh really. yeah, that's very important. Well, I must compliment you too. I. I no, think, we're not here for that right now. I think I, I criticized you one time too. What's that? <laughs> I criticized you one time as a young assistant. In the beginning, you didn't take it too well, but no, you did I, afterwards. Well, I'm not. I, I'm a proud, I have an ego. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's what I'm saying. That's why I pointed out to you. I said, yeah. wow. Because I, I was at dinner table with you. I said, gee, how'd you feel? Uh, no, no, I was fine because I like to hear it. And that's probably why you could criticize others. You think, well, oh, it yeah. seems, seems normal to you, but it's not. It, it's, and that's, again, the idea was, how can I improve and get better? That's and that's right. you saw that as a step then. Exactly. You don't see that. And again, your generosity for food, your generosity, food for the poor. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think at one time, we, you were, Holy Name was the biggest donor, big single church, they gave the most money. And and it was, again, this idea of, you know, trusting God and your finances and be generous. Yeah, I always found right? that um, when we you give generously to the poor, that God repays you yeah. in the parish. and that's it. Yeah. And so these are all lessons, and this is not just for church people, but even any lay people reading it, you know, being generous, blessing the poor, God yeah. will bless you. Sure. And you live that, you saw it in your own experience, despite all the bills, the buildings you had to do, you, you didn't fear. In fact, when I went to St. Peter's, we were, you know, not the wealthiest at the time, and you made me give a check here for the poor. You you blessed, you know, you're generous there as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, anyway, you live the full life. And these are the things that I know everybody sees, though, that you may see the buildings and the structures and the new gym that you, before you retired, make sure you got that up and going, <laughs> you know. I'm sure that was not easy in the late 70s or mid-70s. There you are trying to get that building with the beautiful gym. Second, there's like a college gymnasium there. I mean, the parish hall after the hurricane, but you didn't give until you got that done. And so what people don't know is, you may just look at the outside, but what made it happen was your drive to be the best parish, not for yourself, but for the others, for the good of people and your humble attitude and desire to keep learning. And I, I try to keep that with me, keep learning, keep reading, keep growing, don't stop, you know? And, th and those are gifts that everybody can, I think, acquire or desire to acquire to grow in as well. Well, of course it wasn't me, it was the parishioners that cooperated and who accepted and, you know. Yeah, but they don't do that naturally. Well, they don't, no, they resisted it in the beginning, to, uh, yeah. You to, you know? And you would just, nope, this is the right, you know, I mean, again, you saw this vision, this is the right thing to do, and that's what we're going to do. Yeah, You're, you can't you just try, try to be popular. That's right.
you said, no, this is, I think in mind, you were convinced, no, this is the right thing yeah. to do. Um, yeah. And after the, the good thing about being in a parish a long while, people begin to have confidence after a while. Yeah. To see that, well, you know, things are working out pretty good. They see the fruits buildings. of the parish and yeah. it's growing. But it was, and, and the, supported it, yeah. it was your conviction that no, you may not like me, you may criticize, I don't care. This is where we need to go. And that and that people realize that and they, they eventually they get on board. You know, there's people who give anyway. Well, anyway, listen, we're running out of time and I just want to wrap it up and I want to thank you. I'm glad we got to see you here on retreat. I'm glad you're taking your notes. Glad thank you're you, learning. Always learning. And I'm glad they're treating you well in that holy name still. That's your home. Oh, it's a beautiful They parish. love you there. Very grateful for you there. And I remember we had the, one more, one more pitch before I end was the ministry fair that we had, you know, trying to get people to sign up for different ministries. Oh, yeah. You came out in a, a hat, top hat. <laughs> top hat. Like a clown at the circus, the guy in the, in the leader, you came out. <laughs> what the heck? I let them all into the church. Yeah, remember that? Sign up, into yeah. the hall. Yeah. Into the hall. You came out. You remember that? So do I. And this is it. That was the spirit of a. Uh, that was a highlight. Good, oh, yeah. Good at holy name. Good at holy name. So may they continue to, to reap the, the fruits from your labors and that spirit continue. And I'm sure I know it's in good hands with Father Scott Searcy and yeah, the other priest there so, yeah. and the wonderful people. So it, it will continue. And I know that's what you want. That they, they continue to grow. Oh, yeah, it's a, it's a great thing. Right? Yeah, may it yeah. stay so. It wasn't about you, it was about the people in God's kingdom. So, well, thank you, Tom. Thank you so much, my man. Of all, the, all the assistants, you're the most all right, beloved, best remembered. Thank you. Thanks be to God. And bless you all, everybody. Thank you. It's a joy being with my former pastor, Father Page. God bless you, Tom. Amen. Thanks, guys. Hope you enjoyed it. Remember, keep growing, keep learning. Never, you know, if you're not dead, you're not done. God bless you. He's good. Well, hello, everybody. This is Father Tom, pastor of St. Teresa here with the, behind the curtain. And today I am overjoyed, delighted that I have a special guest. It was my former pastor, Father David Page. Excuse me. He's Monsignor David Page. Father That's, is fine. Father's fine, but let people know that Monsignor is a great title <laughs> and well-deserved. And you went and Father Page, my pastor, back I think in 1998, for about five years, um, he was at Holy Name of Jesus in Indian Atlantic, Florida. And up to, up to that point, I never heard of Indian Atlantic, Florida. And little did I realize this was this huge, magnificent uh, parish, right right on A1A, right across from the ocean. It was the uh, well, the parish in the area, and Vachi one of the top parishes in our diocese, and I dare say even, even the country, honestly, because I forget the book. There was a book uh, titled, I think, 100 Top Parishes in the United States, and Holy Name was listed in that top 100. You may not remember that, but I do. It was a, I forget the author's name, but it was a, he listed the top parishes, and um, Holy Name was... I remember it, yeah. Okay, yes. <clears throat> and I would say thanks to you and the wonderful people there at Holy Name. And you're, I know that you told me your age are 88 years young. 88 years young, thank and, God. And what year were you ordained? How long now? You've been 58. 58. 62 years. 62 years of priest. Wow. Huh? Yeah. I said, hoo hoo. And your priesthood was really years of, uh, you never had the easy assignment, I mean, from what I know. In talking with you, you always had a lot of work to do. 
At least the pe- you found it Epiphany Parish in Port Orange. That's right. Now, were you at the high school as well or just the parish at that time? Do you remember? Were you at Father Lopez at all? I don't remember now. But you founded the parish. Then you went Mary Magdalene. Yeah, I was a Mary Magdalene for seven or eight years. Wow. St. Um, James the Cathedral. St. James Cathedral. I was pastor there for about 12 years, maybe. Wow. St. James. And that's quite an honor. I don't, that's a busy place, especially the hospitals. That's right. Yeah. I mean, you're not sleeping much at night. I understand. It was like two or three hospitals that you had to cover. Sure. I don't know about you as a priest. I, I find the hardest part of the job is not, I can wake up and know I have a full schedule. I'm fine. It's those interruptions, the unplanned, yeah. you know, like hospital <clears> at the last minute or especially at two in the morning because no matter what, you get home, your, your sleep pattern is ruined. You're done. Yeah. It's a tough thing, but you did it. And you did a great work there at, at St. James Cathedral. But then I know you... Uh, but even before that, though, you worked uh, alongside with Bishop Hurley. Well, he made me editor of the Florida Catholic in um, 65, I think, uh-huh. until 90. So 20, 20, 65 20. to 90? Yeah. Whoa. And I was, you know, pastor of big parishes also at the same time. Yes, so was, exactly. But he, he liked to load people down, you know. With, that is amazing. I mean... You know, editor of the Florida Catholic, and back time, newspapers were big back then. Now, not so yeah. much, but back then, that was the main way of communication. That's right. And so you were editor for 25 we years. Had, um, we had an edition for six of our seven dioceses in, uh, wow. in the, in the, in yes. the diocese in now, Florida. Let me ask you this. Did you ever have any particular training to be an editor of a newspaper? Not a bit. Not a bit, right? I mean... Uh, I had finished... My um, master's in American history was on my way back from Catholic University, and somebody showed me, one in parish I visited on the way down, that I was appointed editor of the Florida Catholic without ever being consulted. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I'm sure thought it was a good choice, though. Well, hopefully it worked out oh, I'm sure, right. I'm sure it worked out. Well, Archbishop Hurley, he did things like that. He forced all of us. All the young priests at the time, many of them from Ireland and Spain, we had to teach five classes in school, high school. Wow. Huh? Um, American history and and um, world history and mm-hmm. Latin one and two. Oh, boy. Huh? Uh, different subjects. But it was a great way of getting introduced. Then in the summertime, the, it sent us to Catholic University in Notre Dame. Wow. So we were really shoved into the whole American culture. Mm-hmm. And then I got a... A master's in American history, that's one of the best things I ever did. Wow. Um, that's, I, I know you went back to school, but interesting, so you got a degree in American history, and that sort of prepared you to be an editor for a newspaper. Somewhat. <laughs> um, should have been, it should have been a master's in English or journalism, maybe. I know, yeah. But you did it, though. Yeah, well, it's a great help to understand the people. I mean, the, the elections, all that. Sure. Without knowing history, you don't understand people. Okay. So, so coming that. from a different country, came from Ireland, as you know. Right, right, so from Ireland, yes. It gives you a great understanding, appreciation mm-hmm. of, of the American people. Wow. So you, I guess it was probably a little, I said a treat, but a break. It was probably nice going away for the summer, different locale, different environment. You went to up what, Catholic University up in Washington, D.C. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. see? Yeah, so that's, that's a little, you know, get a change and get away from the hot, humid summer. That's but still right. pretty humid up there, too. But still a different change, that's different right. culture, different environment up there in the hubbub, right? Right, bench, right? Yeah. In the capital. So 
it was like two or three summers, I guess it took, whatever it may be. Or, it was a year and, and about three, three summers. Three summers. Good for you. Good for you. So they become editor of the Florida Catholic. Wow. I guess that's, that's what I'm saying. And you never really had, quote, quote, an easy assignment, just one job. No, they were always tough. Yeah. But you always did it without complaint. You're a guy well, who roll, roll up your sleeves and just get it done. It probably is a good way, way to be brought up. I was brought up on a farm back in Ireland. A farm? A, a mixed farm. Hmm. And you had to work very hard because you raised um, a dozen different crops. Mm -hmm. Turkeys, geese, wow. hens, um, cattle, cows, horses. And everybody was working real hard. And so there was really no, no let up. Now, how many brothers and sisters do you have? I was one of seven. One of seven. Two okay. sisters and five brothers. So they all get they all worked the farm. All worked the farm. My dad died when I was eight. Oh my! And uh, so my poor mom was left with eight kids out of the nineteen. Uh, in nineteen. Wow. Early nineteen forties or so. Wow. Huh? So that was tough during the depression. Mm -hmm. But she was a great woman. She was a very saintly person. Must be rubbed off on you. Yeah. Well. Yes. Um, so a lot of blessings that way. Yeah, but it taught you the value of hard work. It did, that that's stayed right. with you your whole life. That's true. I mean, I can speak for holy name of Jesus being those five years. Yeah. Uh, no one outdid you in work. Yeah. Uh, I say that sincerely. No one. Your dedication. <laughs> anyway, so you learned to farm. And then when did the idea of becoming a priest enter your mind? When I was 14 uh -huh. in national school back in Ireland, uh, a priest came. He was actually from our parish, but he had been a missionary in Africa for 30 years. And he came and he, he spoke to us about the, the missionaries in Africa and the black babies and mm -hmm. gave us mite boxes to raise funds for the black babies. Uh -huh. And that was when I was 14. And from then on, I felt called by God somehow. I didn't hear any audible voice, mm -hmm. but I felt called to be a priest in Africa. No that way. was your initial That's desire. That's my desire. So next year I went to the seminary. At age of 15 now? 14, 15, yeah. Okay. Um, it was a, a Jesuit seminary and we, we had oh, some... Boy. Well, it wasn't for the Jesuit order, but it was for the foreign English foreign missions. Mm -hmm. And we had some great bishops that came from there, from Mongret. Uh, by the way, our present bishop was also from there. Uh, but he, he was on the, the lay side, but... Mm -hmm. The other bishops, Bishop Hurley, uh, Bishop Curley from Miami, became Archbishop of Baltimore, and, and other great bishops. But anyhow, so I, um, when I went to this that seminary, I, I told them, you know, that I want to be a priest in Africa. And they said, "Well, you can't go to Africa from here. This is for English-speaking um, countries. You're a bishop, England, Australia, America." Mm -hmm. So I said, "Well, since I can't go to Africa, maybe." I go to America because I have a sister in, in America, where? Newark. Mm -hmm. Come back in a month, see how close I can get you. He says, told me, the superior said, you're going to St. Augustine, Florida. I'd heard a lot of Florida, never heard of St. Augustine. Uh -huh. And um, I think the reason was because Archbishop Hurley, the bishop here, took off a big collection, nearly 50s, and he, he raised these scholarships or bus funds I see. Priests and different right. new parishes. And so it's the generosity of the people that. Wonderful. Know. So, by a quote, a mistake, whatever, whatever, you know, not a mistake, how God works, 
your desire to go to Africa, different seminary. Yeah. I'm here now. Okay. That's right. Uh, I'll go to America. <laughs> I have a sister there and, you know, it's family. And so you sure. up in New York, New Jersey, whatever it was, and you got to Florida. Not too close, but still not, you know, yeah. not a bad place to be. And you came over here. And, Great place and to be. You came over. What year was it? What year were you ordained again? 60? 1958. 58? Yeah. Whoa. So you were here at the beginning of the diocese. I was. I'm, 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 it was the first priest ordained. The only priest now is ordained for the diocese. who's still alive. Wow. From the very beginning. Wow. Fantastic. Oh, my gosh. Interesting. Hmm. But I'd like to speak about, you know, talk about hard work and um, particularly those years which I can witness there when I was at Holy Name of Jesus with you. Again, it's uh, probably a lot of people would even know about the parish, wherever you may be, but it's quite the place. And there's one thing about you. It's, uh, I don't know if you ever read the, the book Good to Great by Jim Collins. It's an interesting book called Good to Great, Jim Collins. I haven't read that, no. Okay. It's it's. Uh, business book for leaders, business leadership. Yeah. And he analyzed the uh, leadership qualities of these top companies, these top CEOs, all right? And um, level five is the highest. And level five, there was a, these two main characteristics of the CEOs. He said the two main characteristics, one, humility, and two, this dogged determination to make the company the best that it could be. And they, do, and they would sacrifice, they would work, the will it to make it the best. But what's key to the level five, though, is that the desire to make a great company is not for their own ego. It's really just for the company and making sure it survives, that it does well. Sure. All right? Yeah. It's not about them. And that's the humility. And a lot of times said you may not even know who these, quote, CEOs are. They're not the big flashy names, not these yeah. charismatic <clears throat> personalities. They're yeah. quiet, but they just <clears throat> drive, will it. Give everything they have. And honestly, and not because you're sitting here with me, and I read that you know years ago, and I said, honestly, if I have to say, that's really described you. I mean, you, you have a humility about yourself. You don't never give credit to yourself. You, But it was really your determination to make Holy Name the best church parish that it can be. I mean, and well, for example, you just mentioned here we're on retreat together and there you are. And I was thinking before we even got here, I wonder if he still writes notes, <laughs> taking notes during the retreat. Because I remember in the past, I watched you and you were writing these notes, scribbling. Yeah. No offense. I, I used to look at your handwriting. I still can't quite. I can't hardly read it myself. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what he writes. I don't know what he's writing. I'm at the same talk. I wish I know it was that important, but you're writing notes. <laughs> and here you are. You know, it's like, you know, you're, for heaven's sake, you're you know, 88 years old, six, what is it that you don't know? What is it you have to, you know, change? But it's the desire never, never to be complacent. Never give it up. You never get complacent. Right? Good be better and the better be best. That's what you are. I mean, really, I mean, you, even at this point in your life, you think, come on, just sit back, take it in. No. What can well, I learn? Where can I grow? Where can I improve? At 88, you forget a lot too, short term. Memories. But you were doing this when you were 38, 28, oh, writing sure those notes. Was, it yeah, wasn't just that uh, yeah. <laughs> because of your age. And the other thing that also came to mind, speaking about your desire to get, uh, again, to prove, learn, it was uh, at, at dinner time. Sometimes we had seminarians who would sit with us, had dinner with us. We invited one sure. with John. Up from, he's up in the, the Tallahassee Diocese, I remember. And you must have been about 70 years old, right? 
I think around that age, whatever it was, because they had yeah. company. And you were asking him, well, what's new in preaching? What are they teaching you in preaching? Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking, you're 70 years old. At this point, you know what I mean? <laughs> At this point, it's, come on. But you, like, you decide, like, well, I, I want to know, what's the newest thing? What are they telling you? I'm thinking, huh? Uh, you know, you, you most people are by 70, but I'm not, you know, it's like, okay, I am who I am. Well, I just have an inquisitive mind, I suppose. You do. Yeah. But that's, that's part of the whole why, you know. Well, that's God's gift to me. It's no credit yeah. to me. But. See, and there's the humility coming out. <laughs> Thanks be to God. I, I'm not trying to build you up. I'm pleased. I'm not trying to flatter you. <laughs> I'm really, I'm not pleased, but I just want to, people to know and maybe, you know, inspire others who yeah. sometimes reach a certain age and they give up. Yeah. You know, think life's over. No, no. That you can keep learning, keep growing, keep improving. And that's what I, you know, and that stuck with me. And I admire that. I said, wow, look at this. Keep learning. Don't just stop. And, um, you know, I, I found those five years there at Holy Name, my most formative, my, my years in my priesthood. And I, and I take a lot of that, with, you know, that with me. And that's why I, you know, I do appreciate it, you know. And the other thing is what I admired about you, what I, I didn't see any other priests was your ecumenical outlook, but not just trying to get along with them, but learning from other Christian You're churches. Back. You can learn it out from our non-Catholic brothers. That's what you said. Brothers and and that's, that's what you would say, yeah. yeah. And I said, really? Because I never heard that expressed before. I never saw anyone Catholic ever really do that. Now, they may have relationships, may be part of a, yeah. you know, <clears throat> minister, ministerial association, it's really French, which is a good thing, but not the desire, like, what can we learn from them? And the book that you had uh, reading and you had me read or suggested I read was uh, The Purpose Driven Church. That's right. Remember that book? That's right. I learned that from the Protestants. They were that's talking right. about it. I had never heard it. That's right. But that's and it's it. one of the best books. There you go. See, The Purpose by... Uh, I his name now. Rick Warren. Rick Warren. That's Rick right. Warren. And later on, he wrote the book Purpose Driven Life. That's which right. became the D number one bestseller. But that's right. before that, it was The Purpose Driven Church. church. And that's the book that you read. I said, well, this guy's promoting, quote, you know, Protestant. That really wasn't normal, all right? But it was the desire that, you know, your desire said, wait, we can learn something from, you know, sure. let's get better. And in fact, then I remember we went to the uh, conference. It was held, at, I think, at Trinity Methodist Church, not too far from our, the, I forget his name now. But, oh, Mike Harry, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he had the Purpose Driven Conference. Uh, he went there. Ministry, yeah. And I think that's also how you built the, the different organizations in the church worship. Yeah, we, we helped each other, trained, uh, we trained our people yeah. together. Yeah, you put them in different the highlights, what group you want to be in ministry yeah. and worship. And so that, those are the things that really stand out. And um, and really what made Holy Name what it is, is because of your determination to be the best that it could be. And one of the things you blessed the parish with, but beyond the parish, was Christ induces parish. That's one of the best things right. that happened in our parish. Yeah, Christ and Jesus Parish. I remember when I went to Holy Name, uh -huh. I suppose in the late 80s, mm -hmm. St. James, mm -hmm. it was a great parish, right. very friendly, yes. had a great reputation. But I noticed that the people didn't share their faith mm -hmm. with each other. And the same was true of any other parish I'd have been in. Right. But whereas in my dealings with Protestants, they always talked about their faith. The, the parishioners would talk about the minister, and they would they talk about the going to a meeting, mm -hmm. you know, with other parishioners, and um, 
very proud of their faith. So I challenged them one day to do a bit of study, research, mm -hmm. and come up with some organization or something that would set our Catholic people on fire with their faith and right. they would share it mm -hmm. and love to talk about it and spread it. And they did some research and they came back with Christ's Christ Parish. Christ's and that, you know, being at the parish, that really, I mean, I felt the spirit there. Oh, yeah. The desire. It's the and, best thing that ever happened. Yes. We, we had maybe 40, 70 people who were trained uh, in ministers, <coughs> you know, uh, mm -hmm. sharing their faith. And they went to 32 different parishes throughout the state of Florida. Wow. That's yeah. that's yeah. a really remarkable thing. Yeah. Not only did it really grow your own particular parish, but yeah. they became missionaries, evangelizers. Yeah, they, they helped other parishes yes. to do the same. Yeah. And in fact, when I was in Deland, they came up to Deland. They did. Yes, they did. And they were, and they gladly came to Deland. I mean, they looked forward oh, to yeah. go to the parishes to be able to be. Yeah, this. they were very proud of that. Oh man! And what's it, it more impressive? It was, you know, at the parish. You know, they got the men fired up. Yeah. Which is a hard fish to catch. Uh, <laughs> at times. Women usually, you know, they're yeah. kind of on board. They're, yeah. you know, but men are a little more reluctant. But the parish and the high caliber of men. That's true. I mean, these oh, guys. Oh, we have great parishioners. Oh, the high end lawyers and doctors fired up. Yeah. Oh, so, I mean, and, and it just pervaded the parish, that spirit. And so, whenever things came up in the parish, like a, a parish mission, people who went through Christ Widow's parish, they supported it, they showed yeah. up. Yeah. It didn't really matter who was given the, you know. That's right. They yeah. were there. I That's, mean, so that was, I mean, just that work alone. Still going pretty strong. Still, thanks be to God. Yeah. Thanks be to God. And, of course, the the work he did in the outreach to Haiti, the sister parish up there. I forget, you know. Yeah, we have two parishes that we support. Mm -hmm. And um, we can't get down too much now. But right, we, right. we have parishioners who we, we uh, pay for teachers. Yes. And... Um, so there's, it's a great ministry. This it was great Father need. Bruni who passed away, but he was a great man. That's right. Remember great him? Man. Yeah, very he much. Came over, he came to visit, and the one thing he wanted to go to was the buffet. Is that right? <laughs> he yeah. said that, I want to go buffet. <laughs> <Yeah>. Food, you <laughs> know, I mean, food's a shortage. You couldn't believe that what? You can line up, eat all you want? <laughs> he said that. I want to go. What do you want to do? The I want buffet. to go to buffet. <laughs> I can't blame the guy. Yeah? <laughs> but the work in Haiti and, you know, it was again that was also it captivated the parish in these fundraisers and hearts out to Haiti. Uh, you know, it well, was, we learned a lot from you because we know that you had the same thing. Uh, you're sponsoring other parishes, you had missionary parishes. Of the, uh, you know. cause I was at, that was because I was at Holy Name and then the school. <laughs> you know, when I was there, I think it was probably the glory years, it was Blue Ribbon. That's right, yeah, right, 2001. Some other, oh, uh, yes, yeah. I mean, so it was like wow, and so it was uh. And then you, the Adoration Chapel. Yeah, that was one of the things that brought a lot of blessings. Mm -hmm. We had a lot of vocations. At one time, uh, the seminary people tell us that we had more vocations than any other parish in the state. And uh, a, lot, a lot of it was due to the people praying. So yes. many hundreds of people, 24-hour yeah. uh, adoration. Oh, I, uh, yes, I, I would say definitely Adoration Chapel. I think it was more than that because other churches, they have Adoration Chapels, but they didn't have the numbers of vocations. That's when true. that guy told you, excuse me, that guy, the priest said, you know, more than any, I think he probably had any more than any state in the in the, in the the union, never mind just Florida. <laughs> I was, it was like, it was it was unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, the, and I have to, 
Megan mentioned also uh, Julianne and, and Walker. Oh, Walker, oh, great. I believe. Except for that, yeah. With your, your, your determination, the Adoration Chapel, and her fine example, she had a great respect for priests, for the Eucharist, for Mass, and that really. Uh, Not a vocation. You know, I think that's really part of it. She supported it. She loved bringing people to Mass. She loved the Lord. She had a great love for the Catholic faith and the Adoration Chapel and yourself. One of the best things we did was introduce Life Team. That's my next thing. You got Julian yeah. Walker. You found a great. Yeah. Again, there it was. He was searching for a youth minister. I remember that. You said, no, no, we need something for our teens. Yeah. And you really try to find the best. And you came across her. Yeah, she was And great. she, uh, you know, I saw the difference before and after. Not that those, you know, was there. They were good. But she was at a different level. She was you know, great. She was at a different level. And that really, wow. Huh? She probably. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? She was outstanding. Oh, definitely outstanding. So God has blessed us in so many ways. Yeah, but, you know, God blesses those who, uh, you know, you, you got to do your part and God will bless your efforts. Yeah. That's how I think it works, you know. And I also, um, it may, may seem like a, you restructured the church itself, the physical building, because they were growing, you know. Yeah, we renovated it and renovated. then enormous double the size of it. Yeah, exactly. I got there. But Father Peter Henry had built a nice church there in 1980. And so uh, I think he went, at least in the Catholic world, one of the first churches to have uh, the screens up. That's true, yeah. I would think we're he over 30 years now. Yeah, I think yeah. he went to the first churches that had uh, screens. Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah, you know, up to that point, I know some Protestant churches may have had it, but Catholics, it was like, no, you don't do that. And also you, you had the vision let's uh, use the screens and in fact when i went to my you know i left that's one of the first things i wanted to do was adoration chapel and have screens oh, it was very important yeah. oh and now it's commonplace you know especially yeah. now with the covid virus no using books but that's right. it was you know that back then it was pretty novel i remember that you and not everybody and not everybody reacted it so well remember i remember the people put little pulses up tv in church and oh yeah they didn't remember? like it many people didn't like it yes one of one of the persons who wrote me an asked your letter then uh, six months or a year later, his wife died, and he he he, he demanded that we have uh, her photo on the. I see that. Yeah. And, and he was so grateful afterwards. I see. Yeah. Yeah. And can I say this? Uh, another. I'm not trying to put you for canonization, but another point. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's just something that people need to hear and understand. You know, in our world, is your, this is here's a trait that you don't find, frequently, hardly ever. Your ability to accept criticism. Your bad. Yeah. And I remember you, you told me we're at dinner table, and I think it was after mass, someone came out and criticized you or something. It might be homily, whatever it was. I said, Well, what? How'd you feel? He said, Whoa. I was, I thanked him. I was happy. I like, I said, What? Huh? <laughs> you said something like that. You were not upset. No, I was, how oh, good. I wanted to. <laughs> I said, You. <laughs> I did. You wanted it? Not wanted it, but uh, you were gra gra grateful. That you learned something about yourself. You were not, you didn't take it. Oh, really. yeah. That's very important. Well, I must compliment you, too. I, I no, think, we're not here for that right now. I think I, I criticized you one time, too. What's that? <laughs> I criticized you one time as a young assistant. In the beginning, you didn't take it too well, but no, you did I'm, afterwards. Well, I'm not. I, I'm, I'm a proud, I have an ego. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's what I'm saying. That's why I pointed out to you. I said, yeah. wow. Because I, I was at dinner table with you. I said, gee, how'd you feel? Uh, no, no, I was fine because I like to hear it. And that's probably why you could criticize others. You think, well, oh, it yeah. seems, seems normal to you, but it's not. It's And that's, again, the idea was 
how can I improve and get better? That's and that's you. So that is a step then. Exactly. You don't see that. And again, your generosity for food, your generosity, food for the poor. Mm. I mean, I think at one time we, you were, Holy Name was the biggest donor, big single church. They gave the most money. And, and it was, again, this idea of, you know, trusting God and your finances and be generous. Yeah, I always found right? that um, when we you give generously to the poor, that God repays you yeah. in the parish. and that's it. Yeah. And so these are all lessons. And this is not just for church people, but even any lay people reading it, you know, being generous, blessing the poor, God yeah. will bless you. Sure. And you live that, you saw it in your own experience, despite all the bills, the buildings you had to do, you, you didn't fear. In fact, when I went to St. Peter's, we were, you know, not the wealthiest at the time, and you made me give a check here for the poor. You, you blessed, you know, you're generous there as well. So uh, anyway, you live the full life. And uh, th these are the things that I know everybody sees, though, that you may see the buildings and the structures and the new gym that you, before you retired, make sure you got that up and going, <laughs> you know. I'm sure that was not easy in the late 70s or mid-70s. There you are trying to get that building with the beautiful gym. Second, there's like a college gymnasium there. I mean, the parish hall after the hurricane, but you didn't give until you got that done. And so what people to know is, as you look at the outside, well, what made it happen was your drive to be the best parish, not for yourself, but for the others, for the good of people, and your humble attitude and desire to keep learning. And I, I try to keep that with me. Keep learning, keep reading, keep growing. Don't stop, you know. And, th and those are gifts that everybody can, I think, acquire or desire to acquire to grow in as well. Well, of course, it wasn't me. It was the parishioners that cooperated and who accepted and, you know. Yeah, but they don't do that naturally. Well, they don't know. They're resistant you a bit in the beginning. To, uh, yeah. Admit it, you know, and you would just, nope, this is the right. You, I mean, again, you saw this vision. This is the right thing to do. And that's what we're going to do. Yeah. You're, you can't you just try try to be popular. That's right. You said, no, yeah. this is, yeah, I think in mind, you were convinced, no, this is the right thing yeah. to do. Um, yeah. And after the, the good thing about being in a parish a long while, people begin to have confidence after a while. Yeah. To say that, well, you know, things are working out pretty good. They see the fruits of the parish, and yeah. it's growing. But it was and the, the support of it. Yeah. It was your conviction that no, you may not like me, you may criticize. I don't care. This is where we need to go, and that and that people realize that, and they they eventually they get on board. You know, there's people who give anyway. Well, anyway, listen, we're running out of time, and I just want to wrap it up, and I want to thank you. I'm glad we got to see you here on retreat. I'm glad you're taking your notes. Glad thank you're you, learning. <laughs> <laughs> Always learning. And I'm glad they're treating you well in that holy name still. That's your home. Oh, it's a beautiful They parish. love you there. Very grateful for you there. And I remember we had the, one more, one more pitch before I end was the ministry fair that we had, you know, trying to get people to sign up for different ministries. Oh, yeah. You came out in a, a hat, top hat. <laughs> top hat. Like a clown at the circus, the guy in the, in the leader, you came out. <laughs> what the heck? I let them all into the church. Yeah, for, I remember that. Up, into yeah. the hall. Yeah. Into the hall. You came out. You remember that? So do I. And this is it. That was the spirit of. Uh, that was a highlight. Good, oh, yeah. Good at holy name. Good at holy name. So may they continue to, to reap the, the fruits from your labors and that spirit continue. And I'm sure, I know it's in good hands with Father Scott Searcy and yeah, the other priest there so, yeah. and the wonderful people. So it, it will continue. And I know that's what you want. That they, they continue to grow. Oh, yeah, it's a, it's a great thing. Right? Yeah, may it stay so. It wasn't about you, it was about the people in God's kingdom. So, well, thank you, Tom. Thank you so much, my man. Of all, the, all the assistance, you're the most.
beloved and best remembered. Thank you. Thanks be to God. And bless you all, everybody. Thank you. It's a joy being with my former pastor, Father Pedro. God bless you, you. Amen. Thanks, guys. Hope you enjoyed it. Remember, keep growing, keep learning. Never, you know, if you're not dead, you're not done. God bless you. <laughs>